It's 2022, which marks 40 years since the release of Madonna's very first single, Everybody, in 1982. Last August, it was announced that her albums would be re-released with new versions curated by Madonna herself. What does that mean? Well, here on Inside the Groove, we're working through each of her albums one by one to tell the story of how they were recorded, written and produced, along with the iconic photography and graphic design. Something to Remember was the third compilation LP from Madonna, released on 3rd November 1995. Named after a non-single track from the I'm Breathless album, a record which Madonna only a year earlier said was her favourite of her own albums, it was a collection of ballads released as Madonna prepared to record the soundtrack for the movie Evita in London. Something to Remember reached number one in Australia, Austria, Finland and Italy, reaching a respectable number three in the UK and a slightly disappointing six in the US. Nonetheless, as of 2013, it has been certified with sales of 10 million worldwide. Accompanied by a new song you'll see, I'll be talking about the writing process for that track with David Foster and the other songs they wrote together, including one which has never been released. I also have details of the recording of the Spanish vocal version of you'll see, Veras. For this episode, I'll be giving you listeners a timeline of Madonna's activities in 1995, from the filming of the video for the final single from Bedtime Stories, Human Nature, up to Madonna's press junkets for the Something to Remember album, capturing details on her whereabouts, the studio sessions, the photos, the fashion shoots, recording of Evita, and a couple of sessions in a New York apartment which would change Madonna's career forever. I have some industry experts here to talk about this period, including the Mario Testino photoshoot, the graphic design for the album and for the accompanying single. I will be talking about the original name for the album along with Madonna's reason for releasing it and playing special focus on the song I Want You, recorded with Massive Attack, including playing new elements from the original studio session. With songs like Rain, Live to Tell, Oh Father and new tracks like You'll See, this collection is a timeless reminder of Madonna's best work. So, for now, sit back, relax, no one can take it from me as we go Inside the Groove. How I love you'll see. But before I get going on this episode, I want to talk to you about the queer tees. Now, this is something that's really important to me, so I'm hoping that you can help me out. Inside the Groove is one of a handful of podcasts nominated for a Queer Tea Award at the 10th Queer Tees, which takes place in LA on 1st of March. I'm planning on going, if I can. 
because whilst the competition is stiff, it's such an honour to get a nomination. And I think it's also a big win for Madonna. No other British podcast is nominated and no other music one is. Race Chasers and The Bold and the Beautiful are stiff, stiff competition, as I said. But hey, 10,000 people a week listen to Inside the Groove. And it's not hard to vote. In fact, you can and should vote once a day between now and 22nd of February to help me win. If you have more than one device, you can vote on any of them. Phone, iPad, laptop, desktop or whatever. It's just a click and you don't have to register. The fastest way to get there is to head to insidethegroove.co.uk and the link to vote is at the top of the page. Keep going back and cross your fingers for me and for Madonna. Now, welcome to this episode about one of my personal favourite Madonna albums. True, it's a compilation, but four of the tracks were new. Another one had been remixed from its original form, and a further two hadn't previously been released on a long-playing record. Coupled with new videos and stunning packaging, this really felt like Madonna giving something special to her fans. So, how did it come about? Well, there are two reasons Madonna does anything because she has something to say and because she wants to make money. Clearly, an ability to achieve the latter had been identified with the advice that a compilation could be timely, especially ahead of the Christmas market. And the mid-90s was the time when the music industry was richer than ever before. Vinyl sales had dwindled to almost nothing true, but CDs were now the dominant format and retailed at a higher price to make an extraordinary amount of money for the record companies and the artists alike. A lot was being sold. Music production costs were down, so there was a lot of profit for the industry. Within 10 years, that would change dramatically, and by today's standards, the scene is unrecognisable. But Madonna and those around her also had a message to put out. At the end of that year, Madonna would be recording the soundtrack for Evita, with filming due to start in early 96, and it was a time to reposition the star. We spoke in the last episode about the damage limitation of bedtime stories, but sex books aside, Madonna was not taken seriously as a singer, despite being a highly accomplished one. A compilation of ballads was certainly a great way to remind the record-buying public of Madonna's huge success in that genre. So, with that in mind, a way to soften Madonna's image further and reposition her as a balladeer, it makes perfect sense to bring together some of Madonna's most loved songs, especially as tracks like I Remember This Used To Be My Playground and Take A Bow had been huge 90s hits not included on Immaculate Collection. I'm thinking back to that time in my life and I had just moved from France and was staying with friends in Bristol for a few months whilst I was trying to find a job in the music industry in London. I was actually running a restaurant in Clifton at the time. As you might imagine, I've led quite the life. And for me, life was still about going out clubbing and dancing to house music on my nights off, but also becoming increasingly infatuated by Britpop, which was now in full flow. The British music scene was so exciting with bands like Pulp, Blur and Oasis. And whilst I wasn't bored with Madonna, especially after the brilliance of the Human Nature video and remixes, I did get a sense that she was growing up, but without staying connected to the current music scene. Of course, I was going to be proved wrong in a few years. But I can't be alone in thinking that this new Madonna we had in 1995 wasn't quite as exciting. Now, I'm joined now by Lucy O'Brien, author of the book Like an Icon. Lucy, did you feel that Madonna was growing up and, dare I say, growing a little boring at this point in her career? She she was in deep conflict because I think at, at heart, you know, she's, she is a family person and she was desperate to have children and to have 
a good relationship and a, a settled relationship and she really, really yearned for that. And she found it very difficult, you know, being a strong, forthright woman, finding someone who was right for her. And at the same time, you know, she's, she's talented, she's exploring lots of different opportunities. Vita was an interesting point because that took her into a whole different direction. For a moment, it put the pause on the electronic pop and then she goes into this huge kind of orchestral sound. You know, it's very interesting that mm. she felt very intimidated that first day she walked in the studio and there was an 84-piece orchestra <laughs> and Andrew Lloyd Webber sort of looking at her like, you know, come on then. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to sing? And then they had to completely change their, their method of, of recording that because she felt, found it so intimidating. But the good thing about Vita was that it really helped her project her voice and find the strength in her voice and, and confidence in, in really singing out. Thank you so much, Lucy. Yeah. I'll have you back soon to talk about Ray of Light. Another huge factor in making the album happen was the recording of a track with British trip-hop band Massive Attack. A cover of the Marvin Gaye classic I Want You was completed in the summer of 1995 for a Motown tribute album, and rather than simply releasing it as a single which would profit the label, Madonna felt the song was strong enough to be issued in its own right, possibly leading the collection album which she was thinking about. In fact, and this is important information, the original title for Something to Remember was... I Want You, Sacred Ballads. That was certainly the title that was given out to the industry in the summer of 95. But there would be quite a few factors that would get in the way of Madonna's plans before that happened. To tell the story of Something to Remember, we're going to chart Madonna's whereabouts during the crucial months of 1995, starting all the way back in May of that year. On the 6th and 7th of May 1995, Madonna filmed the video for Human Nature directed by Jean-Baptiste Mondino at Raleigh Studios in Hollywood. It would of course be the final single released from the Bedtime Stories album, a fantastic video which still stands up today that would end that era. On the 29th of May, Madonna films an advert for Takara Shuko, the Japanese sake. It's directed by Alex Kashishian, and Madonna wore geisha robes and was also photographed by the legendary Pierre Agile. The advert features a song that's never been released. Hmm, that could be one for the Bedtime Story Special Edition. We shall see. On June the 1st, Madonna, now with darker blonde colour hair, which she would pretty much adopt for the next three years, joined legend Muhammad Ali to present an award for the Parkinson's Disease Foundation. And this also marked the appearance of the 40s-style suits that she would wear in the lead-up to filming Evita and, of course, for the movie itself. Also at some point in early June, Madonna would shoot the promo stills for the Miramax film Four Rooms, which she had shot in November the previous year. Moving on in that month, on the 21st of June, Madonna, still with long hair, is spotted at Dry's restaurant in L.A. On the 23rd of June, Madonna is spotted out in Hollywood with friends, including Ingrid Caceres. And then on the 24th of June, Madonna and her dog Chiquita make an appearance to introduce a performance by the band UNV, which she had signed to Maverick a few months earlier. 
Then, on Thursday 6th of July, Madonna and Carlos were spotted jogging in Central Park just a few days before a trip to Europe. Madonna's hair's still long, or at least we can't see exactly how long it is. It had certainly changed by the 8th of July 1995, when Madonna attended a Versace after-show party at Chez Regine on the 8th arrondissement. Now, I was living about half a mile from here at the time and had no idea that she was there. On July the 12th, Madonna holidays at Lake Como in Italy. And then on the 13th and 14th of July, Madonna does the photo shoot in Milan with Mario Testino, which would end up gracing the cover of Something to Remember. Now, more on that later in this episode. July the 19th, Madonna and Carlos Leon attend the premiere of Larry Clark's movie Kids. It's possible that this is around the time that she recorded her vocals for the Massive Attack collaboration, I Want You. The Bristol-based band had originally approached Chucky Khan, who had turned them down. They were then talking to Aaron Neville, but legal issues prevented that collaboration from happening. It was at this point that their producer, Nelly Hooper, who had recorded many of the tracks on Bedtime Stories, suggested Madonna. Of the band, well, Daddy G and Mushroom never got to meet Madonna during those recording sessions. Only 3D, along with Nelly Hooper, would meet Madonna over in New York for a period of about two days to record the vocals with her and then bring them back to Bristol to be worked on. And I'll be playing you those isolated vocals in a bit. As well as an orchestral version of the song, Madonna commissioned three dance remixes from Junior Vasquez. They were ultimately never released. It was their final collaboration because after that, they had quite a public falling out. On August 5th and 6th, the video for I Want You, directed by Earl Sebastian, was filmed at Silver Cup Studios. With hair by Orlando Peter and Laura Mercier, this is surely the most beautiful Madonna has ever looked. A very 90s style, but utterly stunning. The intention at this stage was to release I Want You as the lead single to the Ballads collection, and the timing suggests that Madonna may have been asked to perform at the VMAs. For reasons which have since only been described as copyright reasons, Madonna was not permitted to release it as a single. Now, we can't sure what these reasons are, but presumably, as the project was a Motown release financed by them for the Marvin Gaye project, they may have granted permission and indeed the license for Maverick to include it on the album, but a single release could not be permitted. I don't understand. But for things to have moved far enough for Madonna to film a video, plan an album and single campaign, we can only imagine how frustrating this must have been. And goodness knows how furious she was. But even Madonna and her lawyers were unable to crack this one. In the end, we'd end up with more because of the detour. On the 17th of August, a day after her actual birthday, Madonna held her 37th birthday party at the Delena Hotel in Miami after dining at the Blue Door restaurant earlier that day. And next up, we move to the 5th of September. Madonna was pictured arriving at the offices of musical theatre vocal coach Joan Lader, who had been enlisted to help Madonna develop her singing abilities ahead of the recording of Vita soundtrack, due to happen in London the following month. As has often been discussed on this podcast, what may have been intended as a touch of practice for Madonna would ultimately make changes to her abilities that would kind of alter her career. I'll come back to that shortly. On the 7th of November, not long after a session with Joan Lader, Madonna attended the MTV VMAs at Radio City Music Hall, Avenue of America's New York, looking utterly fantastic with a Barbarella-style hairpiece. This event is probably most... <laughs> This event is probably most memorable for her friendly confrontation with whole singer Courtney Love and a pair of shoes. 
So, what happened next? Well, in late September, there would be a recording session over a weekend, which would change everything. But I'll come back to that in a minute because now it's time to speak to my experts, fashion photographer Jonathan Daniel Price and graphic designer Peter Falloon. And we're going to discuss the artwork that graced the cover of Something to Remember. Jonathan, I've already alluded to the photo session that was actually a fashion shoot, I believe. Can you tell us all about that fantastic, beautiful cover shot for Something to Remember? So this was photographed in... July of 95, over two days, in Milan by Mario Testino. It was art directed by Donatella Versace, which leads you to know that this was actually shot for the autumn-winter 95 Versace campaign and ended up being used as the artwork for the album. This look is so Testino. This is very mid-90s, clean, minimalist imagery. If you think about those very famous pictures of Princess Diana, or the Tom Ford Gucci campaigns. That's Maritestino in his prime. There's a sophistication here, and I can see why it translated so well to something to remember. It's, as imagery goes, quite understated, very classic, just like the songs, really. And there's some nice stories around the shoot itself, one being, you know, the studio was on the top floor of this building, very Milanese building, with paparazzos all down below and crowds of Italian fans cheering and they were trying to get an image of Madonna of which there are a few photos with her back to the window where you can see her jacket. And Donatella took a Polaroid on the set of the chair that they used in the shoot and Madonna's sort of out of focus in the background as she threw the Polaroid down into the crowd. And I love this this idea of just how big a star she was and the demand, and is, but particularly in that time, the demand to see a sort of behind the scenes in a world without social media. You know, Mario Testino is a very relaxed and charming man. And I think you can see that with her relationship going forward in the photo shoots that she does with him. And he's known for equally loving the limelight, just like his subjects and the brands that he works for. So with this campaign that ended up coming out with Versace, it was one of the first which billed the photographer equally with the brand name on the adverts. So it's his name is is printed large on the shoot. And... And I feel like it sort of matches this whole idea of it, of the sound of the time, the artwork and direction and Versace obviously also being this big brand, particularly because all the news around the death of Gianni, had, it was quite close to this shoot being done only a short time after. Another nitpick bit of information is that Madonna was taking a very rare holiday and she was going to Lake Como and this was done in the few days either side of her going on holiday. There's lots of shots of her out, paparazzi shots of her out shopping, you know, in Milan and, and et cetera. And, you know, I'm going to bring it back to my favorite subject again. Her hair is amazing. <laughs> her hair is so, and the makeup is utterly beautiful. It's quite dated now in, in the way that mm. the, the Jennifer Aniston look is quite, you know, of its time as well. But I think this is one of the best that Madonna ever looked. I love how classic she looks. And I think you can tell a lot of the time period by the eyebrows. You know, it's very trendy right now to have very full eyebrows in this time period. It was still quite uh, a thin brow. But there's actually a lot of images from this shoot, which you can easily find because it was used as part of the Versace campaign. And I love, love, love so many of these photographs. They're, they're, they're so exquisite. And she looks like she's having a lot of fun on set. And in fact, as part of the artwork, I forgot to say, there's also some still life imagery of 
flowers and they're shot by Dean Chamberlain and he's sort of known for this quite light painting style of photography which you can see in those still lives. So Peter, I really like the simplicity of something to remember. What can you tell us about it? Well, it's, <laughs> it is a piece of minimalism. It's such a good photograph. I, I love the choice for the album because there's an intent there. There's a story in the image. It, you, you don't know why she's leaning against the wall. You, you perceive that there's some drama that's gone on and she's banging her fist. It's, this, it's quite rare to catch, capture that amount of information in a cover image. It's normally a beauty shot. But it's not even of her face, which is incredibly brave. It's, it's, it's more or less just a slight profile. But I, the typography is so, so simplistic. The only thing that bothers me about it is don't like the fact that it's been placed on her arm. I know that it's like a, a readability thing, but I just feel as if the name and the title don't have that connection. So it, it, it was a difficult image to play with because of type placement but I probably would have done something different. And I, again, I question the choice of the font. It's actually Gil San, which is very um, British rail. So Americans wouldn't know that, but... It's BBC as well. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. It, so there's always, especially on the inlay and the, the titles and things like that, it, when they start using the um, different versions of it, I don't think it conveys the expensiveness and the filmic nature of her ballads it feels a, 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 a bit minimalist for me but I, it's all about the image and i think it's a beautiful beautiful image that does convey a story so they needed to partner it with something so clean and simple and it does it follows then nicely into like most of the singles so yeah as a an album cover and then to work it across into the singles as well i think it works really well of course the singles we had were obviously you'll see once again, a flower on the cover. Yeah, you've got that incredible video and you've got the incredible shots from Tastino. It seems a waste. Like they could have had beautiful collaboration between the, the lead single and the album artwork with just the strength of another image. So it, that disconnect, because there's not even any flowers or anything that ties into the, the song. So it, it's always felt a bit of a, a misstep. So as Jonathan said earlier, that the... the internal photos in the, the booklet are done by a completely different photographer. Again, it's, it doesn't feel like it quite fits. The flower thing just isn't a symbol, but I think she isn't soft. She isn't a petal, but it, it's possibly tried to reframe her because she was trying to get the job in Evita, wasn't she? So trying, trying <laughs> to show that softness. So further reading, Jonathan, you've already mentioned a few Testino shoots, but is there anything else that you would suggest people mm. so there was a great shoot with glenn luchford who's another fashion photographer who shot a story for spin magazine with madonna and he actually spoke about the shoot and i think it's almost worth me repeating the whole quote because it's so <laughs> so good there's something luminescent about madonna she's got an amazing energy she's sort of napoleonic I met her when she was dating Basquiat before she was famous, and I loved her attitude. When she did the sex book, I thought she was a true genius. I think she's an enigma even to herself, part Mae West, part Joan of Arc, part Joan Crawford, part Gypsy Rosalie. On set, she realized there was a certain tension. So halfway through the shoot, she rolled back on the couch, threw her legs in the air and farted really loudly. We all fell about laughing. The pictures were dreadful, but she was pretty funny. 
That is brilliant. Do you think the pictures are dreadful? I actually don't think the pictures are dreadful. No, They're very nineties, you know, and I like that. And and they are quite his style. You know, he's he's got a few hotel room editorials he's done, and one in particular shoot, which is now sort of legendary status for Prada shot around 96, I think it was. And it's similar tones, similar feeling. And, and yes, I quite like them. Peter, have you got anything you'd like to send people to? It would definitely be the forgotten single, I Want You. The video for that is just perfect. I think she's never looked more beautiful. She's captured in such a way, the whole video, you might say that she's not a great actress, but in that video, you know that she is waiting desperately for a phone call. It's actually based on a short story called A Telephone Call, which was written by an American writer, Dorothy Parker. So I would go and watch like the, the short film that it's based on and also Madonna's video. But yeah, it's a masterclass in um, how to just wait for a phone call and she does it beautifully. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Jonathan. I'll come back to you oh, in a couple of weeks' time to talk about Ray of Light. Um, yes, I want you. Such a beautiful, beautiful video. Such a great song. What a shame it wasn't released as a single and Madonna must have been absolutely furious. But she changed her plans, as I alluded to earlier. And that all happened at the end of September. On the weekend of the 16th and 17th of September, after some dramatic developments to Madonna's singing voice following some formal training with Joan Lader, who unlocked a potential of Madonna's voice which, by her own account, found a part of her range that she had never previously used, Madonna was keen to jump into a studio and record new material which could be used for the I Want You album in the hope that there would be a lead single to replace the now-aborted release of the title track and we can assume perhaps find a new title for the compilation. This resulted in three tracks... You'll See, One More Chance, and a song called I Can't Forget. This would go unreleased. David Foster was the writer and producer on these tracks. He'd been writing songs since the early 70s, and you'll know tracks like Man in Motion for St. Elmo's Fire or Whitney Houston's I Have Nothing. And he also produced Tony Braxton's Unbreak My Heart, written by Diane Warren. David spoke about working with Madonna. He initially said that he didn't believe that Madonna would want to collaborate with him because he really was not hip enough for her. And he further commented, At the end of the day, the songs we did were not particularly impressive, though one of them, you'll see, was really great. Madonna had written a great lyric, and I thought that my music was great. The songs were recorded at Brooklyn Studios, and the session was assisted by Ronnie Riviera, and it was engineered and mixed by David Reitzus, who around the same time produced the remix of Love Don't Live Here Anymore for the album. Simon Franklin provided Sinclair programming for You'll See, and only three instruments were used in the recording, acoustic guitar played by Dean Parks, electrical guitar played by Michael Thompson, and keyboards, of course, played by David Foster. The following week, Madonna flew to Miami, and she popped into Gloria and Emilio Estefan's studio there to record a Spanish version of the song titled Veras, and it's a slightly different music mix as well. If you've not heard it, or if you're already familiar with it, it's beautiful. This is how it sounds. Que nada me queda. The Spanish translation was provided by Paz Martinez and Veras was included on the Latin American releases of Something to Remember. 
Of course, of the other songs recorded, you'll be familiar with One More Chance, which was also released as a single. But there was another track recorded that went unused. It's called I Can't Forget, and it's not a bad song. Perhaps one day it might end up officially released on the limited edition version of something to remember that we're hoping will be coming. The song would eventually be recorded by a band called Tilt and retitled Come Closer. It was used on their 2006 album called Vault, and Madonna is credited as the sole writer of the song. But it was also given to Canadian singer Angelica De Castro for her album Beautiful Feeling. It was back to being called I Can't Forget and this time credited to both David Foster and Madonna. You'll Stay is another song title from around this period. It was registered on some publishing sites and it's apparently a co-write with Patrick Leonard. We don't know anything about it. Is it a song that was created especially for this album? Is it a leftover from elsewhere? We don't know. Will it turn up on a re-release of the album? Fingers crossed. Now, with these new songs in place, plans were now firm for the compilation album. As I Want You was no longer the title track, and with You'll See not being an appropriate title for an LP, the compilation was given the sentimental title of Something to Remember, named after one of the album tracks from I Breathless, which of course featured on this new compilation. I can't help but feel that what with the video already made for the aborted single and press releases issued giving the old title of the album, perhaps that it was even cover artwork which had to be changed at the last minute. But Madonna's team worked hard to create the package, and other than an appearance at the Roseland Ballroom in Manhattan on 19th of September for the 5th Annual Gotham Independent Film Awards, Madonna went to ground until a temporary relocation to London. 2nd of October, Madonna had the first recording session for the Evita album and then attended a press shoot with her co-stars at Cine Tele Sound Studios. If you've listened to the three episodes about Evita soundtrack on Inside the Groove, you'll recall that although they were smiling for the photos, the first recording session was disastrous. Madonna hated it and they had to change the way that they would record the soundtrack so that Madonna was more comfortable with the setup. On October the 23rd, Madonna filmed the video for You'll See at a studio in London with additional scenes shot outdoors. Directed by Michael Hausman, it was an intentional sequel to the Take a Bow video shot the previous year and its first broadcast was on November the 7th. It would go on to be nominated for an MTV VMA for Best Cinematography. Later that month, Madonna would shoot with fashion photographer Glenn Lutchford for Spin magazine, as discussed by Jonathan earlier on. And then on Wednesday the 1st of November, Madonna records a performance of You'll See at Elstree TV Studios Borrowwood, home to Top of the Pops from the early 90s until the summer of 2001. This is the same studio where EastEnders is filmed and for many years Holby City. Madonna was asked to introduce herself at the top of the show, keeping with the format of For the Big Star Guest each episode, looking utterly stunning, one of the most beautiful looks she's ever had. Rather than saying, I'm Madonna and this is Top of the Pops, she said, you know who I am and what this is. It was her first performance on the show since 1984, though she would return again in 98, 2000 and 2003. The performance of You'll See was broadcast on BBC One the following evening. 
Then, between the 20th and 25th of November, we're not sure of the exact dates, but Madonna carried out a series of filmed press interviews to promote the album at the Warner Bros. Music Building on Broadway. Here she answered a number of questions about why she decided to release a ballads album. As ever with Madonna, when interviewed, she gives the perfect press answer. So, for example, for VH1, she said, My favourite songs I've written are my ballads, and for the past five years, people have been saying, you should do a compilation, and I finally did it. The ones that I love the most, they stood the test of time, and I could bear to listen to again and again. When I started singing, I didn't really know what I was doing, and I wasn't using my voice correctly. I never had any training, so I think over the years I've learned how to use it. Meanwhile, for the German TV show Viva, she says, I had done a track with Massive Attack for a Marvin Gaye tribute album, and then I did another version with an orchestra, and I thought it was really beautiful. So it gave me somewhere to put that. So this gives me an opportunity to talk about this song. Now, you may be aware of Marvin Gaye's original. It was written by Leon Ware and Arthur T-Boy Ross. It was performed by Marvin Gaye, and it was released as a single for his 14th studio album in 1976. This song had a more laid-back, slightly disco feel than his previous funkier types of songs. And it ended up reaching number 15 on the Billboard Hot 100. But unless you're a Marvin Gaye fan, you might not be that familiar with the song. Well, Madonna's version is really interesting, especially when we listen to that Leeds multi-track. Because hidden away, and I don't think it's in the final mix, is a guide track of Marvin's vocals coming from the original version that he recorded. Have a listen to this. And Madonna replicated that. And also hidden away in the mix is a choir of Marvin's R's. Have a listen to this. Again, I don't know if this ends up in the final song, but it's there hidden away on the Massive Attack and Madonna version. Let's have a listen to the drums created for this new 1995 version of the song. Very trip-hoppy sounding. And there's some scratching sounds in there as well. And as well as some triangles, there's this sampled shout, woof noise. Don't know how else to describe it. The song also features quite a modern sounding sub bass sound. really deep. It's possible you can't even hear that. And there's also an appearance from our old friend, the Rhodes Piano, really dirtied up. Have a listen to this. Next, we have the Jupiter JP8 synth. The gorgeous, gorgeous sound. This is how it goes. Wow. 
It sounds a bit like a guitar, but there is actually some guitar hidden away in the mix. Have a listen to this bit. That's one of the great things about listening to these old multitracks, is you hear things that either didn't make it into the final mix or are buried so deeply, they just add to the general texture. Something that's very apparent in the mix, of course, are the beautiful strings, which were used in isolation on the orchestral version. Have a listen to them on their own without any Madonna singing here. Now, when it comes to Madonna's vocals, it appears that she may have recorded it several times, perhaps on the same day, perhaps over consecutive days. There's something marked as original Vox, and this is how they sound. Then there's a separate track with new vocals, which I can only really describe as being more sung. Um, have a listen, see if you can tell the difference. I want you the right way. I want you, but I want you to want me to. And a bit of doubling. Want you to want me, baby. Just like I want you. Beautiful. And there's a spoken section that goes like this. I want you the right way. I want you, but I want you to want me. And here's Madonna's raw vocal at the end of the song. I want you the right way. I want you, but I want you to want me to want me, baby, just like I want you. What a beautiful vocal and a beautiful song. It may not have made it to single status, but we did get one more chance. In the UK, we finally, six years later, got a release of Oh Father. And it charted well, but of course, the global release of the remix of Love Don't Live Here Anymore came with a brand new video featuring a rather pregnant Madonna. Next up, she did a Vita, but she wasn't being boring. She wasn't growing old. She was about to show us her ray of light, and I'll be discussing that in the next episode. Don't forget to vote at the Queerties for Inside the Groove. You can become a patron and get episodes in advance, and there's also a range of merchandise. I'll speak to you soon, where we'll be talking about the song Power of Goodbye and, of course, that fantastic Mario Testino photo shoot for the album that regenerated Madonna's career. Yeah.